about on the way over here to record that we have often said on our social accounts of things that like, I want to try this recipe or this looks Mm -hmm. good. Has anyone made this? We throw out a lot of things, but we've made a lot, haven't we? We need to circle back on some things. We've made some things. So, (laughs) I mean, as recent as this weekend, Uh I I wasn't going to go way, way back, but let's touch base on some things that we've made. Recipes we've made. You made some killer bacon jam. I did. First time I've ever made bacon jam. And it took a lot of bacon. Yeah, <laughs> it so it was so a good. pound and a half. The recipe calls for a pound and a half of bacon. So that's a good bit of That's frying. a lot of bacon. And that was probably for, I don't know, a couple uh, of ramekin sizes yeah. Of, yeah. of bacon jam. Yeah. yeah. So you want me to talk about the recipe a little bit? I mean, if you want to. It was so, so good. So the reason I even looked this up is we went to that... Um, Food tasting at the mall had lots of different... um, Taste of Williamson. Taste of Williamson. Yeah. And it was... Represented lots of restaurants. But the wonderful Jim and Nick's Barbecue had um, pimento cheese next to this bacon jam. Yeah. Where they served it kind of together. Yeah. So that was my idea was I had a few friends over and I made the pimento cheese I like to make and then I wanted to try to make bacon jam. Yeah. So I'd never made this before, looked up some different recipes and found one that I thought sounded good and looked similar to the what, what we had had. So it was just called Easy Skillet Bacon Jam. Okay. I'll put the recipe on our show notes if okay. anyone wants to make it in our Pinterest page. I love that it even calls for a cast iron skillet because... Yes. Um, Amen. You know, we love our cast iron skillets. But anyhow, yeah, pretty simple in that it's mostly... Um, Butter, onion, garlic, bacon, and then you add the sweetness of brown sugar, maple syrup, and apple cider vinegar. So it is like just a condensed... You you don't eat a lot of this. Yeah. You just put a little. Yeah. No, it's um, punch. Power punch power with punch flavor. With flavor, but so tasty. And yeah. I love it with the pimento cheese next to it. Good pairing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it seemed to be a hit. Kudos. It was delicious. And another thing I like about this recipe is um, when you put it in an airtight container, you can keep it in the refrigerator for three weeks. Oh, my gosh. That's a long time. So, I was thinking this would be a great thing to make around Thanksgiving or Christmas when you've got people in and out, popping in and out that's of your good. home. Or you have things to take to different events. Yeah. And then yeah. you can just, you know, make it, keep it. Yeah. In that, you know, already ready to go. Yeah. And I actually think, like, in the refrigerator, it gets, you know, cold and, like, the gets a little bit harder. Yeah. So, I think room temperature to kind of warm is best. Yeah. So, you would have to, you know, yeah. heat it a little. Yeah. Anyway, that I liked it for that reason, too, because I thought, oh, I can see pulling this out, and if it makes it, you know... 
through two events, great, right. or three events, yeah. you know. That so. was good. So we'll definitely put our stamp of approval on that recipe. Uh-huh. For sure. And then I made the Duke's mayonnaise chocolate cake recipe. I've known about it for a long time, but I finally made it this weekend. Loved it. We had a friend's birthday to celebrate, and... Okay, I loved it for multiple reasons. Well, first of all, can I say it was very pretty? Thank you. I mean, I guess you could just make a sheet cake <laughs> or something, which is often what I do. But it, isn't it sweet when it's a layered cake? Yeah, I think that was my first layered cake to make. Okay. And I only have two 8-inch round pans. So mm-hmm. if something calls for three, which many recipes do, then I have to alter Nate, or, you know, yeah. come up with different ingredients and stacking. and Or I could bring one over just so I could see my nephew, Jacob. But go ahead. Well, that's true. <laughs> so we um, we had a friend's birthday to celebrate, and I was kind of tempted to not even tell people that it was the Duke's recipe, because to me... Do you think people are going to judge that it's got that in it? Mayonnaise in a chocolate cake sounds weird. Sounds weird, but... Truly brilliant. Here's why. It, of course, adds a ton of moistness. But when you're actually making it, you don't have to add any raw eggs. So, if you follow... Because Duke's has egg whites. Is that right? It has egg in it. Well, it would have egg in it. I don't know if it's egg whites. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if if it's already got egg in the mayonnaise, then it's not going to call for additional egg. And if you follow, if you're a rule follower and follow the old adage of don't eat the... Or don't lick the, the... Dough. The batter, because it has raw egg in it, because yes. it'll make you sick. That doesn't apply to That's this recipe. Awesome. So, yeah. So, it won because it only needed a couple of 8-inch uh, cake rounds. It didn't require additional eggs. And all of the ingredients I had on hand. Now, I did already have cocoa, so cocoa would maybe be something that you'd have to but that's a pantry item that often store. will be in your home yeah mm-hmm. but if you had some confectioner sugar and cocoa i think you'd pretty much have everything, have everything else, else vanilla and milk you know on hand so flour of course that could be your snow day cake it was you can't so get good. out of the house duke's mayonnaise good job it was a fantastic cake it was very moist well you'll have to put that recipe so up i'll put for that up everybody and then also, and I also made a new cocktail. I was going to say all summer long, I've been waiting for you to make this version of a bourbon slush. What did you do? Well, now um, I have one that I traditionally make. That right, I call the bourbon slush. But you had actually put up on our Facebook. Yeah. Well, I've been wanting to try it, and I a bourbon cola grenadine slush. Right, like a cherry coke. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Even yeah. though I didn't, for some reason, didn't put that together. Yeah. That's basically what it is. So it is um, Coca-Cola. Um, well, it, can, it says can of, it could be any kind of cola. But yeah. Coca-Cola. I, that's right. Bourbon, grenadine, and ice. That's it. Yeah. Um, so glad I made it. See, I was, if I made it, I was going to try it with cheer wine. Oh, so now we've still got so to try we may it, still need to try it. Different, but I actually prefer my other bourbon yeah, slush. We didn't love to this because, and here's the reasons why. This was a little too sweet for me with the Coca Cola and the grenadine. Then cherry wine might work well. Syrupy, sweet yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was too sweet. Yeah. Like one, I did fine. You know. Just having some, but yeah. like you definitely wouldn't want to have a second. Like it was just oh, like, no, you know, no, too, no, no. too much. Yeah. And I'll also, this one is one you make in the blender with ice cubes. 
Yes. Whereas my other slush, you mix up the ingredients and freeze it. And part of the awesomeness of your it's slush the is, texture is the slushness. Of the slush. Yeah. Whereas this one, didn't you think it had some slush, but also chunks of ice, yeah. and it didn't get the right, yeah, as good of a consistency. Yeah. So I don't know that I'll keep the recipe. Ice matters. Ice matters. On that one. Yeah. I don't think we need to try that one again because your other bourbon slush recipe it's is so good. So good. So, well, one other housekeeping thing before we jump into today's topic. We have one more week of our Enduring Southern Homes coffee table beautiful book Book giveaway giveaway from Eric Ross. Beautiful book. Eric Ross of Eric Ross Interiors has um, just willingly said he would give a copy of this book, sign it for a listener, and we want to see your southern interior so a favorite room of yours a favorite corner of your home of a friend's home a relative's home um post the picture use the hashtag enduring southern homes tour and make sure and follow us and eric on facebook and instagram and you'll be entered to win we're going to pick one winner in a week and um we've already seen a real a couple of really pretty living a living really pretty living room and a really pretty kitchen yeah couple of pretty kitchens so and we had said before this could be like um a family member's room obviously not something you took at the biltmore or right um, at a presidential home but somebody that you know just a, a true home that yeah. you have in, enjoyed the room yes exactly so, so that's fun so be sure and take part in that let us see your beautiful home and show off your southern hospitality online and make sure you use that hashtag or we won't know that you're entering okay so today (laughs) we are staying in the kitchen so to speak and we're talking about all things canning yeah so this is um an important topic as it relates to things of old and also as you're going to hear today some resurgence of the old that is happening so first um we wanted to kind of share an article, I think you had. Yeah, I found an article that I think says it better than I could say it. Yeah. But I was thinking even this week as I went to get tomatoes out of the garden um, to make some a couple of recipes, there's so many ripe. In fact, I had some that had dropped off and rotted, you know, just because they all Dang come it. ripe yeah. so quickly at yeah. the same time. And that's with anything. You know, with, with that you have in a garden, garden. green beans, and it, it, a lot of it comes at one time. So you have this mass yeah. harvest that there's no way you could eat it all right away. So, and you, you can share with neighbors. I was say, there's a lot of great things you can do, but one thing you can do is can. Can it? It could be the one time you stop by your neighbor's house because you've got some extra tomatoes, but. You yeah. could also keep it for yourself if for the you winter. Can it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so many of the things that we do in the South—not to say that we are the only ones that can—but um, many of the things that we do in the South are to be resourceful with what we have. Yes, and make the most of what we have. And so I feel like that's probably how canning came oh, to be for sure. And um, that is how it came to be. And then I also was thinking, just in the reference to caring about. The nutrition of our food. When you're growing it yourself, you know the history that it That's doesn't right. have the pesticides, etc. So it's some 
um, yet another reason to help th- that go throughout the year. Yeah. So this article that I found, um, I'm just going to start by reading it. It came from the Farm Bureau of Tennessee in a, Good in a publication that they yeah. have. So it, um, if you thought the practice of canning garden vegetables, meats, and fruit-filled jams stopped with your grandmother's generation, think again. While it's true that the know-how behind the art of canning is largely tucked away in the minds of older generations, a number of young people have taken an interest in home canning in recent years. They want to know where their food comes from and how it gets from field to can. Yep. Through the years, home canning became less popular as fresh foods became more available year-round and more women found employment outside the home, Okay, says Janie Burney, a professor in UT's Department of Family and Consumer Sciences in Knoxville. Go Vols. <laughs> Give the Go Vols plug. <laughs> in recent years, with increased interest in food additives, antibiotics, pesticides, etc., Um, There's been a resurgence of home canning. So I think that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, In fact, she notes that in 2016, the Tennessee Extension agents and volunteers made almost 3 million contacts with consumers regarding canning. Huh. Through news articles, educational exhibits, radio programs, and other media. That's cool. Yeah. So people are interested in this. Yeah. Again. And um, do you want me to give like a brief history of canning? So canning has been in practice in the United States since the mid-1800s, a breakthrough in food preservation that spread to America after Frenchman Nicolas Appert, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, Appert, observed that food cooked inside a jar would not spoil unless the seals leaked. He developed a process of sterilizing and sealing food in airtight glass jars, and by the turn of the century, canning was a common household practice in America. Home canning ensured the availability of food year-round and reduced food waste. Canning clubs were among the earliest means of teaching canning and were first known as tomato clubs. No way. That's hilarious. Especially since tomatoes was your example. You yeah. Just a second yeah. ago. In 1910, Virginia Moore became the first Tennessee Extension agent to work with women and girls to develop canning clubs and improve the lives of rural women through education. Girls were provided a small amount of land to grow tomatoes that were preserved using the latest techniques. Boys had corn clubs, but tomatoes were seen as more suitable for girls since they were grown in home gardens and canning would be done in the kitchen. Now, that's hilarious. I think it's funny, and I think there's probably so many of our listeners, if they're women, are totally squirming. Their skin is crawling. Yes. (laughs) Because I guarantee you that there's many men who are the ones who do this in families as well. Um, Many young women sold their home canned goods and used the money for college or family expenses. Their success led to the canning of many other foods besides tomatoes, including vegetables, fruits, jams, and pickles. Canning quickly became a household necessity, especially for rural families. Wow. That's great. So, yeah, I mean, in its simplest form, the canning process involves just placing foods in jars or similar containers and heating them. To a temperature that destroys all the microorganisms that cause food to spoil. Um, that's so funny that you 
you found the French guy too. I did too. Like okay. the, the history. Napoleon is what I read. Put him up to that. Like Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow. Is, wow. Wow. You know, okay. said, figure out a way. Cause it was actually for like military application. Okay. And so he was like trying to, you know, figure out a way to keep the men fed for a long period of time. So there's two ways of processing food via this canning process. There's basically the boiling water bath method and then the pressure canner method. Okay. But I would say, like before I get, you know, too deep into this conversation, this is a commitment. Like this is all really important and I'm on board with, you know, knowing where my food comes from and then having some way to save what's been grown being a good steward of your what you have right Um, but there's a lot of equipment and method required so i don't want to to, you know just make it sound like you just throw it in a jar and heat it up like you really do have to study and figure out the methodology that works for you and then get the equipment that's required to to go do it now i would say there's one other thing i want to add in here that larva if you and i haven't talked about but it goes along with this and that's fermentation of things of of vegetables and that's really popular now yeah not only is it popular because there's been proven gut health benefits true yeah all the gi research and yeah trying to heal their leaky gut right so there's a lot of great benefits to for that reason um so fermentation has gotten popular again here in the States and even in fine dining, which we'll, we can get into that in a moment yes. as well. But um, fermentation um, doesn't require, I don't think, as much of the, like there's not as much equipment involved okay. and, and difficulty. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that and go into that a little bit Good. more in a, in a little bit Good. because I got excited thinking about a couple of things I might want to tackle because yeah. it didn't sound hard. Yeah. Or like it would take tons of time. Yeah. So, yeah. well, you can can tomatoes, zucchini, green beans, peppers. I'm trying to think of other vegetables. Probably you, anything, really. You, yeah, you can can tons of fruit: peaches, pears, berries. Some cherries. people even go ahead and make it into pie filling. Like yeah. they've already got it ready to be a pie filling. Yeah. Yeah. Plums, grapefruit. I mean, yeah. The. The The possibilities are endless. Exactly. And I think also um, there's ways that people can things um, with various spices and things like that, too. Yeah. That has happened all over the world. Right. For many civilizations. Like, just, you know, I think about how sometimes our minds can get small of just thinking of, like, the green beans and stewed tomatoes and things that we yes. saw in our family. Yeah. But, you know, in China, in Korea, in other places, they're canning too. It's so just true. a little different yeah. what, they, what they do, yeah. what they grow, but it's still the same process. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so it's funny when you, when you just started mentioning any sort of fine dining that uh-huh. would be interested in fermentation or canning. Because I, in my mind, have our family history of who canned in our family, Mm -hmm. and it was our poorest of family members. Right. 
So to me, that correlates. Okay. So you're thinking like, this is strictly necessity. Yes. And it almost goes back to that conversation we had several episodes ago about grits. Grits on fine dining. Right. Menus. It just seems so weird to me of like, why would... Why, why, why are grits needed in a fine dining restaurant? But good grits, you know, as we talked about, can complement well. Can I talk about fermentation now? Yeah. So so one thing that was kind of interesting, um, a while back I was listening to, and I'm sorry I didn't look up his his name. I kind of remember his name. But there is a chef, a famous restaurant called Noma, N-O-M-A, is the name of the restaurant, and the, are you looking it up? Yeah. Now? Yeah. So he, the chef's name is, uh, I'll know it when I hear it. Is it Renee? Yes. It's R- Renee. It starts with an R. <laughs> um, I don't know how to say it. Red Zeppi. Red Zeppi. Yeah. So he's brilliant. We'll just start there. He's brilliant. And I was listening to him talk about Noma. He's in Denmark. Okay. I was, didn't Co- I say, I think he's in Norway yeah, or somewhere Copen- like that. He's in Copenhagen, Denmark. Yeah. So it's been for a while considered uh, on, on list, like the best restaurant in the world. Wow. And sometimes you'll hear it, you know, in the top five or whatever. But anyway, it's it's legit in those fine dining circles. And I was listening to him talk about um, what they're doing there now. But yet this was a few years ago. Right. And he said... We're getting hugely into fermentation. We have a whole area that we've devoted just to fermentation. And that made me go, really? That's interesting. Because I will say I had never even heard of kombucha or kimchi. That's two words I had not even ever heard of until the last 10 years. Right. Kombucha I've heard of just via Whole Foods. Okay. So (laughs) both of these things are fermentation. Right. Um, you know about apple cider vinegar yes. that's got the mother yes. and Braggs or whatever. There's different ones, but they have the mother. It's got that milky look that's fermented. Yeah. You know about yeast and different things that are, it's a fermented thing. Yeah. yeah. So yogurt, kefir, um, sauerkraut. Yeah. And then in other parts of the world, you you hear about some different ones. Miso, you've probably heard of miso. Miso soup, I've heard of. Right. So that's okay. miso is a um, fermented, oh. I think from soybeans or something. Okay. So anyway, this fermentation thing is popular all over the world, right. but shows up in different ways. So in Germany, it may be sauerkraut, and in Korea, it's kimchi. So it's okay. that's just a spicier cabbage okay. fermentation. Okay. Um, anyway, all of that to say, I think with the proven benefits for gut health and um, that kind of thing with the good bacteria, yeah, people are interested in that as well. And it can happen through canning. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Because that would be a little different than like a relish, I guess. Well, pickles, pickled yeah. things are what I think of with, with relishes where it's got like a brine yes. of... Um, you know, the salt that's the preservative. Yeah. 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 So, and, uh, you know, I I'm, just, I'm starting my food or my palate has changed a lot in the last few years. And I'm starting to enjoy more relish type of foods. Okay. Because, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about, um, the Southern, most Southern specific <laughs> relish. Canned, canned relish of all time at the end of our show. But, I mean, I couldn't even stomach looking at 
really? some of these okay. canned items when I was little. It just looked so, I don't know, yeah. like I'm just, still not a stewed tomato person. I can't, I don't like the consistency of that. Yeah. There's something about stewed. Or, yeah. Well, you know, relish is just basically chopped vegetables, fruits, or herbs, and it's typically used as a condiment. Um or to enhance something, mm-hmm. you know, just a, but just a little bit. Um, and then there's like chutneys, yeah, which are so. I've started to use more chutneys type of type of things to marinate chicken. Okay, during the day to try and I don't know. I'm so tired of all my chicken marinade recipes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, obviously, the all American hot dog with relish on top. Yes is super popular. And people put different kinds of relishes in their potato salads. And yeah. There's so many different things you can do. Yeah. But um, one of the very popular things you would see um, on a Southern, for a Southern meal, would be cornbread with pinto beans. Yep. And chow chow. Chow chow. <laughs> on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so chow chow, not the dog breed, right? <laughs> right. So food. Yeah, because honestly, right. when I started looking up stuff, I was finding more stuff on dogs when no. I look up chow chow. Yeah. That's so funny. I don't think of it as that, but I yeah, I, I hear that. So now. I had to switch up all my searching to Put say chow chow, chow, chow food or, or chow okay. chow cans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So chow chow was always in our refrigerator mm-hmm. growing up because yeah. our aunt Betty would have great aunt betty would have canned it herself. and our mom loved it so she that would yeah. be one that she would really want to have on hand yeah but it you know it's a pickled relish um let's see what all would be in chow chow green cabbage or excuse me cabbage yeah um onions peppers sometimes sometimes green tomatoes I was like they say, would use the green ones or red or yeah. both yeah yeah just throw it uh, and i think with those things, in. a lot of people, it, you get to making it the way you like it. Yeah. If you wanted it spicier or if you wanted it more, you know, more mustard or yeah, <laughs> find your own way. And and you would see it often mild or hot. Like some people like it to have yeah. a kick. Yeah. Right. And But also served cold. Yeah. So yeah. hot in temperature, uh, spice-wise. I mean, spicy. But yeah. Right. Yeah. But then served cold. As, again, a condiment or a relish type of side uh-huh. item. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny thinking about this because it's just, it, to me, it just looked like a hodgepodge of everything from the garden thrown okay. into a blender and put into a can. Well, but I mean, <laughs> that may have been how it came to be. Like, we've yeah. canned things. We've still got a little left over. Let's make a relish yeah. out of this. Yeah. Um, the... Um, Korean thing that's popular, the kimchi, yeah, is actually reminds me some. I mean, it's used a lot as in a way you would see a chow chow used. I've seen people put it on tacos. Oh my gosh, yes, um, and different things like that. So it's like to give a little more so, flavor and kick. When you said taco, I have seen what you mean now. Kimchi, yes, on a taco. yes. yes. That's gotten really popular now. Okay. Um, but that's just pickled cabbage that right. has different, you know, spices put in. And again, people make it in their own uh, own flavors and ways. But the main thing in that is the Napa cabbage. Okay. The Chinese Napa cabbage yeah. that's 
um, the, the main thing, but it also has some Korean spices and yeah. um, scallions and that kind of thing. Yeah. I want to try to make some of that because it looked fairly easy to me. And I love condiments and things to add to make things a little more fun. Right. Well, this, I was going to say, this does all involve a lot of chopping. Yeah. You got to get ready to chop for some chow chow. And now we have food processors. True. Our great Aunt Betty did not. Did not. So as I was reading through this, I was growing even more respect for her standing in her super tiny tiny kitchen. Tiny kitchen. With, you know, the slanted floor and, you know, standing (laughs) there in her house slippers chopping all of these vegetables for tons of cans. I can see why these clubs got popular, can't you? Like a tomato club. It's so much more fun. To get together. To get together and talk and visit while you're doing all this. Yeah, it'd be like a quilting club, you know. Um, Let's bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) Join our our chow chow can club. (laughs) Girls only. Just kidding. <laughs> um, we did find a loveless recipe yes. for Chow Chow because they actually sell. And I've bought it for before. Oh, and you have? I have. Okay. And it's good. And I just wanted to say, like, no shame if you're going, ain't no way I'm standing and doing all this and right. dirtying my kitchen up. You can buy. Hey, there's always an easy way out. We, we've got your easy way out for this one, Probably too. your farmer's market. Yeah. And probably selling lots of good canned things. Um, but yeah, the Loveless Cafe, which is pretty renowned in Nashville as country home good home cooking. Um, in fact, they even sell their stuff on their website. Oh, really? Lots of different so they'll products, ship. so they can okay. ship Chow Chow to you no matter where you live um, in this country. At least I don't know if they go overseas to those listeners, but um, you can buy their mild or hot Chow Chow. Um, but yeah, I did find the recipe. If we want to put that on the show notes, yeah. I mean it's. Um, what cabbage, peppers? They do use green tomatoes, uh, salt, sugar, mustard, turmeric, ginger, mustard seed, celery seed, um, vinegar. Like it's so most chow chow takes about a month of aging, is what I had read. Okay, and then the sooner you taste it, the more vinegar esque it's going to be. It's going to mellow a little over time. Gotcha. So, um, okay. you know, if you don't want that strong vinegar taste, you're going to have to wait give it a even little. longer mm-hmm. before you open it and eat it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we just kind of wanted to touch on yeah. this because, you know, it's been, like we said, it's not necessarily a canning itself as in a Southern tradition, but it's been very popular in the South for at least 200 years now Yeah, where people have been using this method to preserve their food. And even like we talked about on our heirloom seeds episode, um, that was episode number 28. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, please do. You'll learn a ton. People want to know, like we said early on, where their food's coming from. And they want to follow that strand of foods that they like and that's right. preserve those seeds. So um, it's just kind of a responsible way to... Take, take care of the produce that you've worked hard to grow. That's right. And it's nutritious. It's, yeah, you want to know about the nutrition of it, the purity of it, and all of that. And so that's an exciting way to yeah to do that. Yeah. So um, I might check out the Loveless Chow Chow. I have not 
tried that before, but... Now, would your husband like cornbread no. with pinto beans, no. though? Well, he wouldn't even like that. No, he doesn't like any beans. Okay. No beans. But he likes cornbread, okay. so... But see, now he's listened to this episode, and he's heard of everything that goes into Chow Chow, so now he's out. It was kind of interesting. I was just caring. We were both caring for our dad, who had to have some surgery, and... um he got so excited because I had some cornbread and pinto beans. Like, that's just... So basic. So basic. And that was quite exciting to him. So, Yeah. Um, yeah so if you commit to the meal and your family doesn't like it, you can <laughs> find a neighbor of an older generation. I'm that's sure they true. would love it. <laughs> Take them a meal. That is so true. Anyway. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We hope you've um, been encouraged to maybe try something new. Like I said, we'll put all of these links in the show notes and I am reconfiguring our Pinterest page this week. It got all haywire early in the summer and stuff got lost. So apologies to all of you Pinteresters out there that were following us that are like, where did all the stuff go? We'll be adding it back online um, in the coming weeks and continue to keep that as a place where we um, share recipes and articles and content and even more stuff that's related to Southern culture that we just want y'all to know about. So, and we appreciate our listeners so much. And I just wanted to say, help us spread the word to people you think might enjoy this content and enjoy sitting at the table with us. And if you would, um, take just a few minutes and write us a review, hopefully a good one. Yeah. Five stars. Um, all of that is really helpful yeah. to um, help us spread the word. So yeah. we appreciate each of you. All right, y'all. Have a great day. We'll see you here next time.